My guest today is an award-winning life coach, an inspirational speaker, a mentor, and an author. Please welcome Purvis Taylor. Purvis, how's it going? I'm good, brother. How are you? Hey, I'm doing all right. Doing okay. Thanks for coming on to the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here. Ah, thanks. So, hey, man, let's jump right into it. Yes, what sir. do you do? <laughs> <laughs> that is a loaded question. Uh, yes. Um, so I am an award-winning life coach, speaker, and author of the book, Survival Mode. It's a book that teaches men of color how to process and navigate through their emotions and mental health. But what I do is I help people to get to a space of thriving. Okay, all right. And how do you do that? It just depends on the person. I help them to to tune into what they already possess. Mm. And I kind of like highlight it for them. And I kind of encourage them to kind of like the mother bird encourages her birds to fly. Yes. Bit, you know, yes. Push them to the ledge. Yeah. That's kind of what I do. Okay. And then your books are Thrival Mode. Can you talk a little bit about that and what the four A's are? Yes. So, so Thrival Mode, as I said, it's a book that's written for, it's written for anybody, but I wrote it specifically for men of color um, to teach, teach them how to process and navigate through their emotions and mental health. So I always say this, I say with trauma, we, we tend to do two things with it. We either build a house and reside in, or we use it as a bridge to take us to our next place. Mm-hmm. I wanted my book to be the bridge to take men to the next place regarding their trauma, as opposed to them just living in a house and residing in it. Right? Okay. So hence why I called it Sir Thrival. So taking you from surviving to thriving, the book being the bridge. Got it. So Sir Thrival Mode is comprised of my story. I share a lot about my life's narrative. I share some stories of men who I personally have worked with, who I've walked through the survival mode process, the four A's. But yeah, the book, it teaches people that you have the right to be whole and you have the right to thrive in spite mm-hmm. of everything that you've been through. So the four A's, I, so how I developed the four A's was I, I was like, what was the common thing between all of us that we use to get us to this place of where we are right now, towards this place, towards wholeness, right? And the four A's came about. So the four A's are acknowledgement, Mm. acceptance, articulation, and alchemy. And those four A's are the things that we all had in common that we all used in some various shape or form to get us towards a place of where we are thriving and and towards a place of wholeness. And I figured that those, if we can implement those in the lives of men, Right. Obviously, I want counseling and therapy included within that. But if they can engage in those four A's, they, too, can get towards a place of thriving. Okay, great. And then with this, you've had the opportunity to work with the Department of Education in New York City, correct? And other colleges as well? Yes. I also have a program called Alchemic Solutions, and it teaches young men of color how to develop emotional intelligence. And yes, I am a vendor with the New York City Department of Education. I'm also mm. a partner with the Black Male Initiative through the CUNY system here in New York. And so we've been in several colleges in New York City. I've also been a guest lecturer on emotional intelligence at North Carolina Central University, other schools around the country as well. Wow, that's great. Doing a lot. <laughs> 
Trying to, brother. <laughs> now, you mentioned uh, award-winning. What are the awards that you've won? So I won an award from the city of Brooklyn for my work in the community, life coaching, and especially working with young men of color. So I won an award for that. I forgot what the award is called. It's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> been a long time. Also, I won a Black Man in Can Award. Yeah, I think I won with, a Black, uh, black Enterprise. I also, I am a Black Enterprise modern man yep. as well. Yeah. yeah. All right. And now with your thrival mode, you also have two other books that I know of, Purvis Principles yeah. 1 and 2, and they were international bestsellers. Can you talk a little bit about those yeah. as well? Yeah. Wow. Thank you for asking about those. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody asked about those. Um, yeah, no, those two books are special to me because I was going through a deep, 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 deep depression during both of those books. And what I wanted was to write something that was like, uh, I don't know if you've heard of like Daily Word, like those little daily word books. Yep. Yep. I wanted to make my own. So those books were those. I wanted to glean five failures because they were so many failures at that time. And I wanted to learn the principles from them and provide some inspiration in spite of failure. And so those two books represent that. There are many books and they're like a daily principle every day. So oh. yeah. That's great. Okay. Now it seems like you're helping so many others get through some of their failures and their trauma and inspiring them. Now, what about you when you were going through some of these struggles? What helped you get through this or who helped you get through this? The Lord. Mm. <laughs> and I had people. I always believe you got to find one person who you can be completely transparent with. So you don't feel like you're burdening and carrying the secret yeah. on your own. You know what I mean? And I always yeah. say the power of a secret is in keeping it. So I had one person who I confided in and I believe that what you confess healed. So like I had that one person, then I started to find other people who, who were safe spaces as well. But a lot of it was just, and I my classes, a lot of it is just surrendering, letting go. Because it's so easy to hold on to trauma. So because it, it can become a like a safety blanket. It can become a, you know, for us. And what I have to do is let go and not be afraid and be curious about what was on the other side of letting go, which is what I encourage my clients to do as well. But yeah, I definitely had my auntie and uncles, my mama, everybody praying for me. The Lord helped me. My friend Ken helped me. He was the, the safe space. Then I also had therapy, which mm. was just as important. So a combination of all those things. And I didn't give up. Yeah. Most importantly, I didn't give up. Most importantly, I did have a little bit of imagination and I, I did see myself out of the situation. I think that is so vital. You have to see yourself out of that space right during the time when my father died my father died so just to get background because people may be like what are you talking about so during that time my father had passed away from a heroin overdose and during that time i remembered being molested being bullied being emasculated so it was a lot of things that were hitting me all at once his death triggered a lot of suppressed memories and so i was in a really really deep dark space and those things pulled me out of that oh okay but well, it's great that you were able to get out of that situation, use everything around you, not give up, like you said. But not only that, not only did you get out of that situation, you are helping others as well and inspiring others. I think yeah. that's awesome. That's great. Thank you, man. Uh, you're welcome. Now, you started off as a writer, right? Or did I, Well, actually, I actually started out my career working in music. Oh, okay. I worked at Def Jam. I worked oh. at Def Jam Recordings. Okay. And I was also a model. I was signed to Wilhelmina Models and, oh. and was doing acting. 
I did contribute to BeliefNet. I did contribute to Black Enterprise. Yeah. But I don't know if I necessarily consider myself to be a writer. Okay. But yeah. Okay. So modeling. So how'd you make that transition to what you're doing now? Well, you know, that business is a lot of rejection. Mm. A ton, a ton, a ton of rejection and very, very few yeses and a ton of no's. Mm-hmm. And during that time, my father had passed. And so yeah. I just was kind of like in limbo. So I kind of didn't know what that I wanted to do. Yeah, He passed away when I was 24. And so I, I would say it was like a four year limbo. Like I was still signed and I was still going auditions, but I was kind of like just floating. Yeah. I was just in a weird space. Yeah. Yeah. Now, being a life coach now, how does that work? Do you have weekly sessions with your clients? And yeah. Can you just talk a little bit about how it all works? Yeah, no, it just depends on what the client, number one, what they can afford. Okay. Number two, how frequently they would like questions, right? Because I put that on them. Yeah. I always want to make my clients feel empowered. So I have clients who I see every week. I have clients who I see once a month. I have clients who I see intermittently. Like I have one client who I've had for several years that lives in Dubai. I see him whenever he just has a question or something that comes up. So that could be so random. That could be in March. It could be in December. Right. But I definitely have those consistent clients in between. And I have those. The goal is I want my clients to get to the space that my client in Dubai is. Where they just check in intermittently. Like, I don't like having people every. I'm not one of those people. Like, Mm. I want you to fly. Yeah. I'm not trying to take your money. I'm trying (laughs) to get you towards a place of homeless. Got it. No, I understand that. All right. So. What does a typical day look like for you then? Well, as of late in pandemic, it's a lot different. But, you know, I've hired a fitness trainer because I need to like exercise. I need to get, because I'm taking on so much. Um, but training, if I have to give a talk, if I have to do an interview, if I have a session. So I have to plan my day accordingly. And it differs it varies from day to day because my availability of my trainer, <laughs> when I'm scheduled for interviews, when my clients, like for instance, I have a client now who's been having bipolar episodes and this is the first time this person has had bipolar episodes in years. Mm. And so like that's been taking up a lot of my time trying to find the proper, match them with the proper psychiatrist, find the proper social services program. So like, it just depends. It just depends. Yeah. Wow. I'm not a morning person. Oh, right, right. <laughs> we talked about that before. <laughs> yeah. So with that, though, it does seem like with the work you do, you could be working at nights on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Is it no yeah. real set hours just any times? There's, there's no there's real, it's, it's no real set hours, but I'm learning to set hours, though, because I recognize, because I love what I do so much that I can take advantage of or allow myself to be taken advantage of right. because I love what I do. So I do have to sometimes say, okay, no, I can't do that, period. I do have to make sure I take time out for rest for me because I've been doing this literally nonstop for 10 years. And this is like now the 10th year I've been grinding so much. Now it's like starting to become known. And so a lot of people are tend to pull at you. So yeah, if it needs that, I will work on the weekends. But for the most part, I'm, I'm learning to just say no. Right, right. 10 years, wow. Now, when you're done, when you say no, when you're done, is it easy to turn off? Because you're, you're, you're working with so many emotions Absolutely. and so many things. Is it easy for you to turn off? Absolutely. Okay. Yep. Good. I'd be like, I call my homeboy or my homegirl, like, let's go get some tacos and margaritas. Yeah. All right. Like, I'm, I, like, I'm, yeah. 
Yeah, it just it, it depends. Like some of my clients, like obviously the client that's been having manic episodes, yeah. that bothers me. And right. I think about it, but I try not. But I I also let myself know that I'm not anyone's savior. Right. And number two, I'm human being. Like right. I have compassion for my clients, but I, I I have to have it up into a certain point because I don't want transference to take place or even counter transference to happen. So, right, correct. All right, so. What skills and characteristics would you say are, are, are important to be successful in your line of field? That's a very good question. I definitely think understanding and knowing your voice. I don't know if that's necessarily a skill, yeah. but you got to understand and know your voice because if you get all of us life coaches in a room, you pretty much going to hear the same thing. Now, what's going to be different is the way that I disseminate that message, right? And that the way I disseminate it may connect with you more than the other person who's saying the exact same thing. You get what I'm saying? So, like, I definitely think knowing your voice. Also, too, I think a skill, a gift that I think you got to have is being discerning. Like, you have to be able to discern what your client is saying and what your client isn't saying. You have to be able to discern their words. And you got to be emotionally intelligent. You got to be able to read people's emotions. You got to be able to read people. That's important. I definitely, an active listening. You have to be an active listener. And you have to be very curious. You have to be very, very curious. You have yeah. to say, like, what if, what if I ask them this? What would happen if I ask them this? Or what if I say, what if I suggest this or uh, come up with an exercise mm-hmm. just that you can just make up on the spot? You also have to be spontaneous. You also have to be flexible. Mm. It's a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah, it just seems like it. And now, I know your life experiences have really helped you to get to where you are and to be able to help others yeah. and inspire others. But was there any schooling or, or certifications or anything yeah. like that that you have done as well? Yeah, you see, I'm wearing my yeah, <laughs> Columbia. My, um, yeah. <laughs> my grass, my grass school alma mater. I have a master's in clinical psychology from Columbia. I also have been certified as well. But you know, I do want to say that coaching is not a regulated industry, so. You don't have to be certified to be a life coach. So I definitely think me having more so the grad degree in clinical psychology has helped me so much because I understand neuroscience and how that relates to coaching. I understand the various approaches that they use in therapy. And and I know the language, which is most important, especially around this space, because I feel like coaching. So I feel like a lot more um, therapists are becoming coaches. Yeah. And I think that they're integrating modalities together. So I definitely think that's important to know the language and all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, can you talk about what you love about what you do? So I love when you see a client get it. Mm. I love when you see that you've made a connection. Um, I love after I'm giving a talk or I have a session or I just gave a speech or and people come up to me like if they're in tears, if they're like, oh my God, like, like yo, you were speaking directly to me. Oh my God, like I've never heard anybody speak like that. And not to gas me up, but the connection that it made for them. I love that. When you get emails a year later from somebody who you don't even know, and they're like, person, what you said to me, I was like on the verge of quitting, or I was on the verge of suicide, I was on the verge of this. And what you said really held me through. So like all of that stuff, man seeing people get it um, and, and, and apply it to their lives that I love to death. I love it. 
That's great. Yeah. Now, what about on the flip side? What type of uh, challenges are out there or obstacles for you? Um, I think some of the biggest challenges are like, again, like that's why I say I stress voice so much. I think so many people um, hear a lot of voices and they don't know which is authentic and which isn't. Right. Yeah. Also, too, practicing, like I've been this work for 10 years and, you know, I've worked with celebrities, I've worked with athletes, I've worked with everybody. I do charge a lot. Right. But I've been doing this. For 10 years i'm an expert at it right i help people i have those receipts and those testimonials that indicate that and i think sometimes people don't see themselves as an investment right and i tell people i say you know you'll go see beyonce yeah. for 500 and come home with the same issue you can come see me and you'll at least be on the way towards a breakthrough you see what i'm saying so yep. it's like I think the challenge is getting people to understand the value and the necessity of having the services I provide in their lives and looking at it as a worthy investment. Yeah, no, I totally agree. People will spend money on so many things, but they won't spend money for people to help them with their finances and their health, mental health, physical health, things of that nature. So yeah, you're you're right. Yep. All right. Now, do you have any memorable moments in your career that stick out? Yeah, you know, I have a bunch of, I always tell this story um, and and I'm so happy I don't remember his name because I don't <laughs> want people to be like, oh, he keeps saying your name. But I'll never forget, I was hired to do a staff development training for an uh, organization in D.C. And these guys were like rough. They were like hood dudes. It was in Southeast D.C. So like the organization was in Southeast. And if they weren't working there, they would be on the streets mm. carrying stuff. You know, like they would be those guys. And I remember coming in there just in the session and I'm like all prim and proper (laughs) and these brothers are like sagging and just like whatever. They were nice, but they were just like, you know, whatever with me. And I remember I just started to share my story, right? Because I always think it's important when I speak or I'm doing any developmental things that that they understand that I am not better than you. And I am not, I haven't arrived anywhere. What it is is that I have probably a little bit more tools than you have. So I just want to qualify that. Yeah. Anyhow, I was telling them my story of being molested and, and all the things that I experienced and just the, just the pain that I had been through up until that point. And this man, the front row, this young man, he just starts shaking. He's hunched over shaking. And I was like, are you okay? And, and he just hunched over shaking. Meanwhile, the, the room is just like still, like these, all these brothers all these thug dudes are like still and he's crying and i asked him can i get permission to to touch your shoulder and he's like yeah and i said i said what's going on what's wrong he said my mother died when i was five and i never cried about it Mm. and you made me feel okay to cry about it right now i don't know what i did but in that moment he started crying then the brother across the way from him starts crying like he's you know his mother he found his grandparents in a, in a crack-induced coma and they had nothing but bread in the refrigerator. And this other brother just started, you know, they just started sharing. It's like a dumbbell effect. Not all of them were crying, but a lot of them started to share some of the secret pains and the things they were struggling with and, and the sorrows. Mm. And I was just like, men just need a space, a safe space. And, and I don't, God used me to create that safe space for those brothers. So that was something that was very memorable. And then just, Clients coming back to me telling me that they achieved 
the goal that yeah. that we that they came to me for. So those, yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. And to your first example there, just having all those men keep it in, keep all that inside all those years, you said from when he was five years old. I know you said a lot of this you do is with black men. I think that's that's something that's that's common with black men that they keep everything inside. Don't we don't really talk to anyone for help. We don't go to therapists or life coaches or anything for some reason. And it's good. It was therapeutic. I think what you did and just I like how you say you did it too. Just kind of relating to them at first and then kind of filling them out, having them opening up. Yeah, that's great. That's a great story. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. All right. Well. Hey, we're at the end of this interview. Already? <laughs> yeah, time flew, huh? <laughs> yeah. No, but, uh, well, before we do, though, I want to ask you these quick hitter questions for yeah. fun, just for people to get to know you better. But before we get to that, I just want to see if there's anything else that you want to discuss, things you think I might have left off asking you. No, um, I had a great time. You asked me some really good questions. Oh, great, um, thank great. You. Thank you uh, for asking me those questions. Yeah, no problem at all, man. No problem. So, all right. Well, let's go to these quick hitter questions. Awesome. First one, what's your favorite sports team? Los Angeles Lakers. Oh, okay. I'm very happy right now. <laughs> <laughs> favorite movie or show? Oh, gosh. Dang. Okay. I can't think of favorite movie, The Departed, favorite show, Forensic Files. Mm. Yeah, good ones. All right. Favorite musical artist or group? Favorite music. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to give three. Okay. So Michael, yeah. Janet, mm-hmm. and Mariah. Wow. All right. Yeah. Favorite vacation spot? Um, The island. All right. Caribbean, <laughs> any island. Any, any island. island. And last, favorite food or drink? I'm going to answer both. So favorite food is seafood. Yeah. I love seafood. Favorite drink, I would say it's a combination between a frosé and a margarita. Okay. Like it. All right. Well, hey, Purvis, this has been great. I love all that you do. 10 years doing this, helping, inspiring people, helping them with their issues. This is awesome. Awesome. The work that you're doing, please keep it up. And can you tell people how they can find out more about you? How can they find your book? How they can reach out to you? So everybody, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Rodolfo, for having me. I'm very honored to have done your podcast. If you would like to get Survival Mode, you can go to survivalmode.com as well as go to Amazon and just Google Survival Mode on Amazon. If you would like to follow me, you can follow me at Purvis Taylor on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Facebook. And that's it. Perfect. All right, Purvis. Have a good one. Thanks. Thank you. God bless you. Take care, brother. All right, you too. Thank you, everyone. If you have any comments or questions or would like to be on the podcast, please reach out to me on Instagram at Rodolfo Cooper. Thank you. Bye.